Welcome back to another episode of Workforce Insights with Employee Milwaukee. In this episode, we continue the conversation between Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employee Milwaukee, and Dr. Ramel Smith, a licensed psychologist. Enjoy the episode. So changing the page a little bit um, from the pandemic and just thinking about, um, so, you know, we had a pandemic and then George Floyd. George Floyd has always, you know, situations like his has always been there. We've seen those in the news. You see them all the time. But this particular situation um, and the recent killing of George Floyd has created global protests and related civic unrest resulting from uh, from it and has forced conversations about anti-racism, anti-police, brutality against African-Americans and calls for social justice to the forefront. In your estimation, how has the combination of public health pandemic and racial equity movements impacted the psyche of our local community and what can be done to improve the outcomes for, in particular, the African-American community? If I can take it back even a step before the pandemic, in some axes, it seems trivial, but it wasn't trivial because it was so powerful and so home-hitting. But the unexpected death of Kobe Bryant hit a lot of people hard in the world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just because he was an all-star athlete, but it was because it was a father and his daughter. And then when we started to learn about all of the other people um, in that plane, uh, because of Kobe and his popularity, it was magnified. But everybody started to hold their family just a little bit closer. You started to love a little bit more because you understood the unexpected could happen. Now you put that into a, a, a pandemic, which obviously has global ramifications. Everybody's on the same page again in the world. And so we're all struggling to deal with this virus to say, hey, what, what, what's going to happen? What, is this really going to be the Spanish flu? Is it going to repeat itself? It was scary. And then when you thought things couldn't get even worse, you had George Floyd. Now, as you said before, we've had Trayvon Martins. We had, you know, Browns. We've had uh, uh, um, Sandra Blanche. We've had, like, so, so many names. I'm, like, going in my head. And I just, I don't even want to list them all because it makes me cry just thinking a little Tamir Rice playing with his gun and it happened. And you said, well, why couldn't the people be so, so upset about this? But what happened was George Floyd came right off the heels of, of Ahmad and then uh, Taylor. Mm -hmm. And people kind of swept those under the rug. But when George Floyd happens, his hit in a different way. And there was a sign that you'll see out in so many places. And it says when George, when George summoned his mother, when he called yes. for his mother, he summoned all mothers across the he world. Sure did. And, it, and it's something about seeing uh, specifically the way that the black body has been demonized, have been criminalized, have been vilified. You see a big 6'6 man calling out for his mama. You understand the depths of pain. Dead and you know, mama. oftentimes, yeah, 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 she's been dead for two years. So you mm -hmm. know, he had went to a different realm. And, and that, what that did was, it set us, not, not that it woke people up, but it let them realize, hey, what's going on in America is going on in other places too. That's why when you see those protests and riots, you saw other names that we had never even heard of. Mm -hmm. You heard states bringing up other names. They said, we was just dealing with this. We couldn't get any publicity. And now cases was opening up because people were looking. And see, this was the first time because Floyd was, uh, he had a kind of, you know, as they always try to do, bring up somebody's background. But they saw, you know what, this is one time it had nothing to do with his background. And it was some, some things that was favorable about his background. But at this specific moment that created this incident, it was the brazenness of the police officer who stood on this man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds listening to and call out for help. Three other officials who did not have the guts or courtesy to be able to do that. And when people saw that, they said enough is enough. So the people who first used to say black lives don't matter, all lives matter, they start saying, 
I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Black lives don't matter because this would not have happened to a little white girl. This would not happen to a little white boy. This would not would have happened to an Asian child because you know why? They, it would have been different consequences. And the people said, we have to do something. And so now what happens is this. We have injustice all over the world. Now, we talk about this from an African-American standpoint, which is 100 percent on point. But you also have people who are being economically depressed. And so now when you put all of those combinations together, that goes back back to the civil rights movement, when you see Fred Hampton, when you see Martin Luther King say, hey, listen, we need a poor people's movement. We need to make sure that these people who are oppressing society and keeping us fighting each other are really brought to task. And so when you see what's going on now, it's like, hey, we're tired of this. But this is the hard question and the question that nobody really wants to hear. You say, well, what has to be done? Well, it's so funny because Disney released Hamilton on July 3rd um, on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And people loved it because it was George Washington and Alexander Hamilton and, and Burr and all of these guys talking about how do we redeem ourselves? How do we get ourselves free from England? How do we get ourselves free from this, 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 this uh, uh, rulership that's putting this knee on our neck? But if you talk about revolution here, the first thing people want to say is, oh, no, let's be peaceful. But there's nothing peaceful that can ever be solved in a situation where you look when you have peaceful protesters and what do we have on a horizon, Operation Legend, people are being threatened by police officers with tear gas and, and pellets and, 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 and uh, federal agents coming in. And I'm not talking about when you had the so-called um, upheavals and the, 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 the riots and the, the violence. I'm talking about with peaceful people. The Portland mayor was uh, tear gassed the other day. So yeah. when you started to see that, you said, how can you fix a system that is inherently broke? America has been broke from the beginning. And like I said, we are big phonies in the mask we wear. We always tell great stories of our founding fathers who were great men and no right. They did some great things. But on the opposite end of that coin, they were horrible, evil men that did some of the most horrific things. And when you have those type of weeds grow up among your flowers, it doesn't matter how beautiful the flowers are. The weeds are always going to choke them out. So you say, what needs to be done? We need a completely new situation. We need a whole new system. You're not going to be able to heal what's been broken from the beginning unless you fix it completely. There's an old saying that said it's hard to heal in the same environment that made you sick. Right, right. What has been, you know, you being in this space of, of psychology, what's been the biggest adjustment that you've had to make personally and professionally during this time? And then what advice would you give job seekers during this time? Because as we know, um, you know, there's been, been a number of employers. I mean, I started this job March 16th and we've been closed from my very first day. And we've been working remote and have just recently transitioned um, into our phase one of returning to work. But but we know that there's been a number of people who were initially furloughed and then they were moved to termination status because not employers, not all employers are bringing back their employees. And and so what um, advice would you give job seekers um, who's out here looking for employment, but just understanding you coming from this space, what's been the uh, adjustments that you've had to make from, at a personal and professional level? And then, you know, uh, answer, uh, putting some, some words of encouragement and advice to those who's out here um, looking for employment. Yeah. So the first thing that, that, that touched me from a personal, excuse me, a professional standpoint is that I can no longer see clients face to face. And so we had to move to a virtual world and uh, in a virtual world, so many things that can be lost in translation. Um, you know, do you have computer troubles? How somebody connects? Right. Does everybody have a level of privacy that they need to need? 
if you have somebody who's then, because um, I did a lot of work with the Wisconsin Badgers, so some of my people moved across state lines, so we had to worry about violating ethical issues in state uh, jurisdictions, but how do you not abandon a client that's now uh, in Russia or Germany or Japan or China that was once uh, in your state and under your care. So, you know, you had to figure out all of these things with the law. You had to figure out how to get people treatment where they were at if you weren't able to see them. Um, so it was a big, big, big um, um, stressful um, process because you want to make sure that people um, get the help that they need. And you said, what's the worst time in the world to be able to lose the person who's been one of those people by your side to help you? And this would be one of those times. But then it's incumbent upon a psychologist to have a network of people of resources to be able to call out to and help what we call uh, with continuity of care to make sure there's those hand, warm handoffs for those we can't see. For those who we can see, we do the best that we can, uh, specifically uh, with virtual uh, reality, uh, with, the, um, with, with Zoom and, and, and making sure those things meet HIPAA compliances and whatnot, but you can talk, but you know, it becomes different. So you just adjust basically how you do, you know, your therapy uh, from we, I was doing treatment plans, but we had to, interrupt our treatment plans as you talked about before sometimes you have a plan but when different things happen there's something that becomes more pressing so we had to start to like reorganize and say what's most pressing now what can we do and that goes to the second part of the question was people personalized everything was so different with my college age people they were having a difficult time going home because mm -hmm. some of them had issues with their parents there was some issues at home that they were trying to run away from or sometimes they got home and they were expected to do too much. So now they couldn't focus on some of the things that they wanted. They were put back in situations um, that they didn't want to be in, that they were trying to, to leave from. And so, you know, it was just a plethora of issues when you talk about from a, a personal standpoint, how do you deal with this now? How do you go from trying to uh, work at home full time uh, with a demanding job, but yet uh, you have a family. You have to make sure that those children are being educated. You have to make sure that they're being cared for because they have emotional needs. And then you got to say, how is it with all of us in the house? Leaving for the house is a great, great remedy for, for familial success mm -hmm. because you get on each other's nerves so as much as you love people. If you're on top of somebody's neck 24 hours a day, it's only a matter of time when we talked about all of those other things coming out before families start to argue and quarrel and start to act out of character. So those were some things we had to adjust. How do we give the children more leeway? How do we make sure they have space? How do we make sure they stay in contact with their friends, with all of the programs that they're missing with sports and dance and things of that nature? How do we give them some semblance to that so they can stay in shape and, and keep that type of activity alive inside their mind? And so what I tell people is this, and that's the last part of your question, what advice is this is a time, what I tell you is a more fate, I'm a lover of faith. I believe that when this happens, this is what forces our mind to be very innovative and very creative. Uh, I'm a movie buff, and my favorite, favorite movie is this movie called The Five Heartbeats. And it's this right. I love book. that. <laughs> and, and, and Duck it says, he says, wow, you know what? Today I'm on my best day to becoming a writer because they said, once you know hurt, once you know pain, oh, your, your writing comes up. And I believe once we hit uh, one of those peak performances, whether it's an extreme ecstasy of joy or some of the deepest despair of hurt and pain, that's when our great work comes out. You know, I hated it. Like when people say, I love the fat Luther better. I love the sad Mary better. Mary J. Blige, that is. But it was some things to that. When they spoke out of their hurt, when they spoke out of their pain, their creativeness and their artistry went to another level. 
And what I want people to understand is while we're in the midst of this pain, don't let it be for not. How do you galvanize this and become creative, become innovative to reinvent yourself, to rebrand yourself, to do something, whether it's inside of the job you have now or whether it's about creating something that you have been seeing you were going to create before. This is a perfect opportunity to get excellent education online tooling. These opportunities have opened themselves up. So I tell people this is a time, although we've experienced some heartaches and some, some difficult times from a family life and a, a professional um, economic standpoint, this is also the time to become creative. So you've seen people start to make masks. You've seen people start to make other devices that's contingent upon uh, the pandemic or to put things out where they say, hey, you know what? You're at home now. Let me cut my price by 50%. And I don't mind cutting it by 50% because I'm going to get triple what I had before. And so when you start to do that, you say, what advice do I get? It's that one, don't lose hope. You can be in the reality of that. It's a tough situation and, and admit that and own to it, but say, you know what? I'm going to make the best of it somehow, some way. And there's some reason why Axiom stand the best of time. And it says, when somebody gives you lemon, you make lemonade. Mm -hmm. That is the absolute case of where we're at right now. You give me a hardship and a struggle. Oh, and out of that pain, I'm going to give you something special. I'm going to give you something where I say, I didn't want to have to go through it, but because I went through it, this was what it was. And you know, you'll often hear time compared to, you know, a pregnancy and birth pains. And though I've never had the experience of literally delivering, I've been in the, in the, in the uh, delivery room for five different births. I've been through C-sections. I've been through twins. I've been through a stillbirth. <laughs> and so when I can tell you that I can understand the pain, the frustration that, that it is, those labor pains that go through, is something that why I love women so much and give them so many, uh, so many props um, as it relates uh, to their strengths. And not just with, 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 with uh, childbearing, but that's one of the things. But with that being stated, a lot of us are pregnant with ideals right now, and it's going to hurt to come out. It's going, you know, it's like, you know, you see a woman grow. She can't fit her clothes. She starts to wobble, doesn't feel like she looks the best or some things because of the extra weight. But then when that beautiful baby comes out, everything was worth it. And so what I tell people was not we're pregnant with some kind of ideal, with some kind of greatness. And though it's a, a difficult process, you know, the morning sickness, the headaches, and the swollen feet, things of that nature, go ahead, persevere through that. Because once you do something beautiful is going to come out on the next end. And so that's my, my, my advice to be creative and innovative and to let this pain be the fuel to motivate you to go to the next level. I hear you on that one. And my last question for you is, as we, um, you know, connect the mental health with, with employment, what um, advice would you give to employers as it relates to making resources available to the employees to maximize their mental health during this time? Yeah, you know, my advice to the employers will be hard. And I'm not talking to just like the mid-level supervisors. I'm talking about to the owners, the CEOs, those who make real decisions. Uh, back in the day, you know, you had companies that invested in things like profit sharing. Uh, you, you see a couple of companies now where, where the employers have blessed their employees with extra uh, financial uh, incentives uh, because they understood the time and everything. So the first thing I do is I tell the employers, be fair with your employees at this time. This is not a time for greed, even though I know that's what capitalism is built upon on profit, but say, hey, how can we help them financially? But now after you've done the financial, you say, what are the other things that I can do that why they are here will make them, like I said, again, a better uh, employee because if they're a better employee, that's, that, that raises well. Uh, for the entire company. So what I tell employers that this time to do is to look at reinvesting your HR model. 
what kind of model are we using? Do we really put our employees first? And if we do, what are some of the best practices that people who love their employees do? And it's like you said, they have um, mental health counseling, usually through an EAP. And if the EAP runs out, they have some type of additional help that they can be able to give them. They have different incentives for them to be able to do things. One thing I love is when you see companies that have these affinity groups and ERG groups, uh, employee resource groups, uh, not to drop acronyms, um, and, and these groups can tell you sometimes what they need, because oftentimes if you're far away from the situation, you don't know. And there's an old saying, those closest to the pain, those closest to the problem need to be the closest to power because they can have some of the remedies. So I would tell employers to listen to their employees, to not just listen and listen to them talk, but after they listen to them talk, to be able to allow those big boots to do some walking, to be able to help the employees help themselves. And when we start to look at that, there's so many companies that are doing great things. So why don't we copycat off of not only the business model, but the human resources model. A lot of people, um, um, some people absolutely love their jobs. And when you look at those surveys and say, hey, this place has been ranked one of the best places to be, one of the best places to go. I say, go to them and find out what they've been doing to be able to help their employees. Why, why are they so successful? How can you bring some of those things into you? But if we just had to give concrete examples right now, the first thing I do is say this, stay in contact with them somehow, mm-hmm. some way, whether it's a voice, it's an email, let them know they care and the ways in which you can help you help them or help them to find the absolute resources that they need. People are struggling right now. We're seeing an increase in anxiety. We're seeing an yeah. increase in depression. We're seeing an increase in anger behavior, uh, people self-medicating. And this is going to be disastrous, not only for the company, but our, for our community. So employers understanding that if they can help their employee and business, by in turn, they're really doing a great service to the community. So just to see where their individuals are at and to help them in the ways in which they can that are reasonable and responsible. Thank you so much. Um, it, it, picture me bowing to you. I want to say thank you for sharing your insight with us today. Oftentimes, people do not tie mental health and workplace together. And I just think it's all, it was, it's been necessary for a very long time. But with everything that has transpired, this pandemic impacted the world. It didn't just impact Wisconsin or it just didn't impact a particular company. It's impacted the world. And as you started out in one of your questions and you said, you know, we, you know, I, I like that term that you use, we're great phonies. Many of us wear these masks and we come to work and we play strong and we play like things don't bother us. And, you know, we got all the right answers. And in the inside, there's so much uncertainty. There's so many questions. And yet we hide that because we don't want people to see us at our weakest moments. But that does eventually it spills over because as a human, we're humans first. You know, it's only so much you can take. And eventually that spills itself over into anxiety. It spills itself over into panic attacks. And all of those things start to happen to an otherwise normal, healthy person who has learned to mask and internalize the challenges that we're going through. And I wanted to have this discussion with you because I wanted it to be at the forefront to know that as we begin to to go to this new norm, we have to address these things because people will bring this stuff over into the workplace as we begin to transition back. Because again, we haven't had any outlets by which people have had to let it go. So I like many of the suggestions that you've offered. 
And if people, you know, are listening, that they can take heed to that um, and, and begin to utilize some of that to create some healthiness for themselves. And I, I just truly enjoyed this segment with you. And if there's any parting words that you want to leave our listeners to, you know, now's the moment to do that, Dr. Smith. You know, I don't know if I'm smart enough to do it, so I'll quote again my maternal grandmother, uh, Daisy Mae Cockerham. She said, the best way to heal yourself is to help others. So in the midst of our hurt and our pain, still find a way in which you might be able to be a blessing to others and see how that blesses your spirit. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to Workforce Insights, where workforce development is our business. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about Employment Milwaukee, visit www.employmilwaukee.org. That's www.employmilwaukee.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next time with a new episode.